I'm not sure we even need any preaching after that. But you're going to get it anyway. <laughs> Turn, if you would, to 2 Kings chapter 22. 2 Kings chapter 22. This is the last sermon in our series. We've been for a long time, since last year sometime, in 1 Kings and 2 Kings. And uh, this finishes us up. And then... Uh, uh, today on, we're talking about and praying about and encouraging the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ this week. Uh, the very thing that makes us different. Everybody wants, well, what is the big deal about Easter? It's, it's not the eggs, it's not the bunnies, uh, but the chocolate bunnies are not bad. <laughs> but it's the fact that Jesus is alive and he's risen from the grave. And that's what makes Christianity different from all other uh, groups. Everyone else is trying to do something to get to heaven. Bless God, ours has already been done on a cross. And all we've got to do is receive it and then follow him. 2 Kings chapter 22, beginning in verse 1. Would you stand please in honor of God's holy, inspired, inerrant, all-sufficient word. The Bible says Josiah was eight years old when he began to reign. And he reigned 31 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Jediah, the daughter of Adadiah of Bosketh. And he that uh, did that which was right in the sight of the Lord, and walked in all the way of David his father, turned not aside to the right hand or to the left. And he came to pass in the 18th year of King Josiah, that the king sent Shaphan, the son of Azaliah, the son of Meshullam, the scribe to the house of the Lord, saying, Go up to Hilkiah the high priest, that he may sum the silver which is brought into the house of the Lord, which the keepers of the door have gathered of the people. And let them deliver it into the hand of the doers of the work that have the oversight of the house of the Lord. Let them give it to the doers of the work which is in the house of the Lord to repair the breaches of the house unto carpenters and builders and masons to buy timber and hone stone to repair the house. Verse 7, how be it? There was no reckoning made with them of the money that was delivered under their hand because they dealt faithfully. And Hilkiah the high priest said unto Shaphan the scribe, I have found the book of the law in the house of the Lord. Hilkiah gave the book to Shaphan and he read it. Shaphan the scribe came to the king and brought the king word again. And he said, Thy servants have gathered the money that was found in the house and have delivered it unto the hand of them which do the work that have the oversight of the house of the Lord. And Shaphan the scribe showed the king, saying, Hilkiah the priest had delivered me a book. And Shaphan read it before the king. Father, pray this morning that your spirit would be able to run loose in this place. Deal with any of us and all of us. We need you today. And unless you intervene, everything we've done thus far and will continue to do will be of no use. So we beg you, we plead with you, Father, have your way in this service, in the lives of men, women, young people, children. Most of all, may you be honored and glorified. We'll leave this place saying it's been good to be in the house of the Lord. Thank you for all you've done and what you will do in these next moments. 
in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Young man Josiah, eight years old, became the king. Now he's 24, and I love this part that says, This young man did that which was right in the sight of the Lord. I like that. His daddy didn't do that. His granddaddy didn't do that. But he determined at an early age, I'm going to do what's right in the sight of the Lord. God give us some young people that say, I want to do what's right in the sight of the Lord. You may not have had the best parents. You may not have had any parents that ever shared the Word of God with you. As adults, I'm telling you this morning, it's time to suck it up and move on. You may not have had every, respons- uh, every opportunity to serve God and to be around the people of God, but you've got an opportunity today to serve God, and you can change what you're doing now. You can make the same decision young Josiah made that we're going to serve the Lord. According to 2 Chronicles 34, he was eight years into his reign, and he began to seek after the God of David. You don't have to wait. Young people, don't let these adults tell you that you're too young to serve God. You can be 10 years old and be at the temple serving God. You can be 16 years old and you can still serve God. Don't let somebody rob you of the blessings of serving God. Determine in your mind that you're going to do what's right in the sight of the Lord. Now he's 26 years old and he's wanting to reform some things. And it's typical of a Baptist preacher. He's got this dream of restoring the temple, the house of God. And the people are slow walking it. Have you ever been there? When the preacher wants to move on, everybody says, this is not a good time. Why there's inflation. Why there's all kinds of, whoo, and don't you know this week that if you live in Longview, ain't we learned some lessons this week? I'll tell you, some of you thought you couldn't live without the internet, and you found out you're still here alive. (laughs) I think the other lesson we've learned is all this hoopla over oil is not going to be near as important as a hoopla over water. Amen? He's got a dream, and, and yet they're not wanting to move real fast. And so he sends Shaphan over to the temple. Shaphan is like the secretary of state. He said, you go over there and get with the high priest Hilkiah and you figure out, sum up, figure up all the money that they've got over there and where all of it comes from. Because see, the the temple's broken down. They've been worshiping idols all these years. And and, and Josiah wanted to make sure that the temple was repaired uh, and he was willing to give so that the house of God was taken care of. I want to tell you, folks, the same thing ought to happen today. I know that uh, I'm not going to say anything next Sunday necessarily about money because it's Easter and there'll be a lot of folk here and and I'm going to get branded, you know, as well. All that preacher talks about is money. We're raising 400 and, well, it's down now. We just need like 430,000. But uh, we're going to bring our offerings next Sunday, bucket offerings next Sunday. And uh, people say, well, you know, there's one thing about Willing Hill. That pastor down there is a dictator. You can call him a liar. If I was a dictator, we wouldn't be raising $400,000. I'd have your checkbooks, and we'd be raising millions of dollars. Because there's not 400000 in this auditorium today. There are literally millions upon millions of dollars in this place right here. 
You say, well, preacher, are you sure? I'm sure. I, I just, I'm being transparent. My wife don't like this. She don't like for me to tell things. But, but I, you know how I'm going to pay my offering next week? I'm going to take a lump sum out of my retirement. Hmm. Well, I, I got to have my retirement. I do too. You know, one of these days you're going to get tired of me yelling at you and I'm going to need a job. I'm going to need retirement. I'm going to need it. But I'll tell you one thing. I, I don't want to need it and, and, and not see the church of God move forward. I want to see this church move forward. Now, I want to tell you something here and, and just share this with you and those of you who are listening online. If you're a member of this church, now, if you're not a member, just close your ears up because you can't get nothing. But if you're a member of this church, you can walk in our office unannounced anytime you want to. There's two ladies upstairs. They give me a wall-eyed fit. They make me do uh, receipts and sign things and dates and all this stuff. I promise you every dime you give in this church goes exactly where you tell it to go. We don't have any secret loans. We don't have any secret accounts. We don't have any plan B. We don't loan money out from the church. Everything is completely transparent and you can See, wherever dime you got goes. In fact, if you'll get on the, uh, the app, you can see uh, on RAM, you can see what you've given every week right up to date, right on through here. You say, why is that important? Because character and integrity is important in the house of the Lord. That's why that's important. So when Josiah spoke to Shaphan here, uh, he, he, he said, look, I, I don't know exactly how it happened, but... You can imagine in, in, in years and years, nobody's using the temple anymore because they're worshiping false gods. They've got groves built up there. They're burning incense up there. And the temple of God just kind of sitting there. You take a building been sitting there 10, 15 years like this and come in there and there are going to be broken chairs and handrails are going to be broken and spots are going to be all over the chairs and the seats and everything. And it's going to be a lot of dust and it's going to be rubbish and there's going to be junk piled everywhere. I remember the first church I... Uh, pastored, uh, uh, it was similar to this church here. Uh, it, it, wasn't, it was worse than this church here. This church had it too. When I came here, there were three or four rooms you couldn't open the door to. They were full of junk. But the first church we were at, it was like that, and I, I started cleaning out that junk. And they said, oh, wait, you can't get rid of that piano. I said, well, it ain't got no legs on it. What good's a piano if it ain't got no legs on it? Well, that piano belongs to somebody in the church. The husband got drunk, went through the plate glass window, knocked the legs out of the church, out of the piano. I said, well, then what's it doing here? And I called him and said, look, you need to pick your piano up. Well, we don't have anywhere for it. And I said, well, I got somewhere for it. It's called the dump. <laughs> and you got three days to pick it up or it's going to the dump. I, I, I want to tell you, uh, they're trying to get things organized and everywhere you look there's rubbish and and junk and things broken down and and he said i, I don't know but he said maybe I, I was looking under some junk and i was cleaning this out here and throwing that in the garbage bag and throwing that and lo and behold i looked down there and found a book it was the law of god now remember they don't have the completed book like we do they didn't have any book they were trying to live what, what was right by what was right. They didn't have a book. Now, commentators, they can't agree whether it was a 
Pentateuch, all five books of the Old Testament, or whether it was just the book of Deuteronomy. I don't care what it was. My Bible tells me, the, the real Word of God tells me <laughs> that it's the book of the law. It's the Word of God. He finds the book. He finds the book. When you find the book, the king starts talking about some things here. And I think about our world today, the, the news that we get all day battering us on that thing called television, and then there's the newspapers, and then there's all the Internet. And this world is in a mess. It, uh, sin is running rampant. The normal thing today in America is foolishness. I mean, you can't explain it any other way. Common sense walked out a long time ago. Crime and murder and backbiting, slander, gossiping, all of this is happening in the land that was founded on the truths of the Word of God. We're watching it. It's going south fast. It's broken down. The will of God doesn't matter anymore. Try to stomp out the ways of God and knock out the Word of God. And all kinds of programs are trying to be started to solve problems today. We've got social uh, programs. We've got political programs. We've got new legislation. We've got false religions. We're trying to build up self-esteem. We're trying to bring in a motivational speaker. Let's go ahead and, and uh, legalize marijuana because it makes us feel better if we get a little dose of it. Uh, we've already uh, legalized alcohol, and you know what it'll do for you. And I'll just go ahead. I, you know, I'm already doomed anyway. Let, let me just tell you this. Uh, you better be careful. I know we're living in a society that says it's okay to social drink. It's, I just remind you here while our children are over next door in children's church that what this generation does in moderation, the next generation does in access. If you, you, you got wine in your refrigerator at home, don't you bellyache when your teenager comes home with a beer or wine. You got tattoos and you think there's nothing wrong with them? Don't you bellyache when your teenager comes home with that scattered all over their body. You got piercing? Oh, woo! Don't you bellyache when they come in and they're in their nose and their navel and anywhere else. God help them. <laughs> Be careful where you got them tattoos. These people in the nursing home that had a tattoo on their backside, buddy, it don't look like a rose anymore. <laughs> and in the midst of all of that, we're trying to put things back together because we want our families to have the best. I mean, there's not a couple in here today that don't want our children to have it better than we had it. And we're trying to organize everything else. I'm thankful today that we've got something bigger than the world's answers. If we're going to get back to the place where God is in our lives, where the government is synced up with God, we don't need social programs. We don't need political programs. We don't need legislation. We need some people who will say, Hey, I found the book. I found the book. It's in the book. That's what we need today. Have you found the book? I got a lot of mess, preacher, in my life. Things is not going good. How about digging under that rubbage and seeing somewhere, if you don't have an old book down there somewhere 
that maybe you used to read. Maybe you used to be excited about. Maybe you used to be passionate about. I deal with people on a regular basis. They come into my office. They say, Preacher, our lives are messed up. What are we going to do? And I say, Listen, when's the last time that you held your wife by the hand and you prayed? Preacher, you don't understand. That's not what our problem is. No, you don't understand. That is what your problem is. You've left God. You've left the book. You've left those that can encourage you. I don't want to embarrass anybody or put anybody on the spot. There are very few staff meetings that we don't have that somebody don't mention something about where so-and-so. Five years ago, they were faithful. Boy, they were on fire for God. (laughs) They were teaching. They were working in the bus ministry. They were serving food on Wednesday night, and now they're gone. Where are they? It didn't happen overnight, but little by little, you stop reading the book, and then you stop memorizing the book, and then you stop meditating on the book, and then you stop obeying the book, and then you stop even wanting to come to a preacher that was going to preach the book. I've had them over and over again tell me, well, I, we went and visited another church. I honestly, we, we're probably going to leave, Brother Charles. I say, hey, wh- whatever you want to do, man, this is your life. I'm not here to dictate to you. Well, we found another church that we, we just feel a little more comfortable in. And I said, okay. That, there's, hey, there's good churches all over this place. I love that my, some of my greatest friends are pastoring churches around here. There are great churches in this area. They made us feel special. They never mentioned sin. They never told us we was going to go to hell. They, they never even mentioned that word. They don't know what that R word is, repentance. We, we, just, whew, we just lifted our hand. Woo! We just had a glorious time. And we left there so uplifted. We don't do that around here. You know why? Because we found the book. And the book is the whole counsel of God. You say, well, I don't like that. It doesn't matter whether you like it or not. It really doesn't matter because when you get in the book, it doesn't matter what you like. It don't matter if you're the pastor, if you're the youngest member of this church. If, if, if it's in the book, that's in the book. Some of you today, you need to go back to the book. You think if I just get another job, it'll be better. If I could just get a little more money, if I could get another car, if I could find another girlfriend, if I could win the lottery. And after you've gained all of that and you win the lottery and you've got everything you could ever hope for and you lose your soul, what does it profit a man? What are you going to get? Somebody got to get determined that this book is precious. This book is perfect. This book is pure. This book is prophetic. This book is preeminent. This book is powerful. This book is profitable. This book is perfecting. I found the book. Now what happens? 
Let me get to the sermon. <laughs> you know now why I came in late. <laughs> I'm going to make it fast, all right? When you find the book, when you find the book, you get convicted about wrong. Look in, 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 in verse 11, chapter 22, verse 11. And it came to pass when the king, remember verse 10, Shaphan's reading the book. When it came to pass, the king had heard the words of the book of the law that he rent his clothes. He said, oh, no. Oh, no. I, I thought I was living all right. I thought I was seeking after God. But when he got in the book, he found out he wasn't. He's living lies. You come here and sin and you do wrong. Let me tell you, when you walk into a house of God like that and there's unconfessed sin on your life, I'm praying God will never let you be comfortable. I want you to be friendly. Everybody needs to be friendly. But I'm praying you'll be so miserable you can't stand it. I know a lot of you, and I'm living better than most of you. <laughs> For what that's worth. <laughs> you see, I think I'm doing all right till I get in the book. Isaiah did that. Isaiah thought he was doing all right till he saw the Lord high and lifted up. And he said, woe is me, a man of unclean lips. I live among a people of uncleanness. The king said here, we, we, we failed God. We've forsaken God. We faulted God. Thought I was a pretty good Christian until I opened the book. Listen, You say, preacher, I'm better than my co-workers. I'm better than a lot of people. I've had people down at the restaurant tell me, well, I'm better than so-and-so. I don't go to your church because so-and-so goes there. Well, so-and-so needs to go there. You need to go somewhere. Let me tell you, I'd a whole lot rather sit in this place with some hypocrites than to go to hell with them. It's not about your co-workers. It's not about your spouses. It's not about other church members. It's about being conformed in the image of Jesus. And when you get in the book, when you find people who can strut standing up, they ain't been with God. When you get with God, you come out of there realizing how holy and big he is and how unholy and small you are. When he read the book, and when you find the book, you're going to get convicted about wrong. Second thing, though, just quickly, he committed his will to God. Look over just in chapter 23, and verse 1, the king sent, and they gathered unto him all the elders of Judah, and of Jerusalem. He's got all the priests. He's got all the prophets. He's got all the people. He summoned all of them together. You see, when you get in the book, and the book gets in you, you don't care who knows you're in the book. You're thanking God for the book. 
He, he, he got them all together. It won't matter to you. You don't care who knows it or who may laugh at it. Maybe there's a man here today that needs to take his family or his wife or maybe his children and say, listen, honey, I've not been the man I need to be. Could I tell you something this morning? God has ordained the man to be the priest of the family. God help us. What a shame that a wife and children are more spiritual than the man who lives in the house. Hmm. It's your responsibility, daddy, husband. You're the one to lead the family. You say, well, my wife won't follow. Well, I've seen that. <laughs> but the real truth is, if, if you've got a godly woman that's sitting in this place today, and you're sitting by her, and you leaned over and said, Honey, I don't know exactly what to do, but I want to do what God wants done. 99 out of 100 of them women are going to say, God bless your heart, baby. I'm with you 100%. Now, you'll find a couple of crankheads that ain't going to do it. <laughs> but 99 out of 100 to say, I, 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 That's what I want. I want my family to be with God. I want my children to be raised in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Let me give you the third thing here. He stood by the pillar and made a stand. He made a stand. Look at verse 3. And the king stood by a pillar and made a covenant before the Lord. He made a stand. And here it is, to walk after the Lord and to keep his commandments and his testimonies and his statutes with all their heart and all their soul to perform the words of this covenant that were written in this book. And all the people stood to the covenant. <laughs> wow. We get a little nervous when we start talking about the book in front of our neighbors. <laughs> this next week, it'll be easy to invite everybody to the egg hunt on Saturday. There'll be hundreds of people here. And praise God, that's good. We got thousands and thousands of eggs. I'd be so glad to get our conference room back. <laughs> it, 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 that's good. But it's a little more nervous when we're talking about being here on Resurrection Sunday morning of why we want to be here. You see, when you, when you find the book, you don't care in this crazy, sin-sick world we live in. You don't care who knows you're going to church. Don't make any difference. You don't care if, if you're the one squashing the gossip or putting out the mess or shutting down the dirty jokes. Let me just tell you in East Texas vernacular what this means in verse 3. It's much shorter. This is a detailed thing here. But what he's saying here is it's not just about shouting on Sunday. It's about living right on Monday. That's what he's saying. Let me give you the fourth thing quickly. He changed worship. Verse 5 of chapter 23. He put down the adulterous priest whom the kings of Judah had ordained to burn incense in the high places in the cities of Judah, in the places round about Jerusalem, them also that burned incense into Baal, to the sun, to the moon, to the Atlantis, and to all the hosts of heaven. All of this junk's going on. And Josiah says, I want to do what's right in the eyes of the Lord. When you get into the book and you understand what God says, listen, he, he literally said, we're going to change some traditions. Well, we can't cut out the incense. That's what we've always done. 
It's against the book, so we ain't doing it no more. That's all it is. He removed all of these people. Why did they all have to go? Because he found the book. I'll just tell you. Well, let me hurry on here. He rated immoral perversion. Verse 7 of chapter 23. He broke down the houses of the Sodomites that were by the house of the Lord, where the women wove hangings for the grove. Now, you know and I know that for 18 years here, I have preached through Bible. I, I haven't tried to, I, the least thing I want to do is try to use this pulpit for a bully whip. That is ungodly. That's not right. But you say, preacher, this is kind of rude here. It says that he break down the houses of the sodomites. The sodomites is another name for the homosexuals. Well, preacher, I don't want to be in a church that's going to preach against homosexuality. Well, then you don't want to be in a church that found the book. Because that's not my opinion. That's in the book. It's in the book. We don't hate homosexuals, but we hate what homosexuality does to people. In fact, our court system right now is backed up of men and women who were homosexuals and lesbians who married and now they want a divorce. Mm. It was a sin that put Jesus on the cross. It was a sin of ours that let them slap him and beat him, and spit upon him, and place a crown of thorns on his head, and put the nails in his hands and his feet. And we can go on a little further and say, not only are we dealing with homosexuals here, there's scriptural evidence of fornication, adultery, pornography, lust. Stamp it out. If it's not pure, if it's not holy, if it's not right, then get it out of here. Say, preacher, that's, that, that, that's rude. No, I, I got it from the book. I'm not preaching to be politically correct. That's why what I'm preaching is the truth. It is not politically correct. We've tried to make it easy on everybody. We've said, uh, you can have sex outside of marriage, just you be, be, use protection. How's that working for you? You can tolerate all of these immoral lifestyles, and I don't know. I, it, it blows my mind. I'll just be honest. I've got a grandson. How old is Charlie? Six now. He ain't never thought about being a transgender. You show me a four-year-old. Somebody's told him kids that. Come on. Don't take a rocket scientist to figure some of this mess out. God, I pity the place in hell that parents have to go who are going to go there because they've deranged their own children. Immorality, lust. Hey, if you have a kid, no problem, just abort it. I only read the headline, so I don't know anything different. But if I read it right, they're going to hold a lady in Marshall 
for murder who tried to give herself an abortion. Now I'm thinking, y'all are the liberals that said that's not a baby. It's a fetus. She did her own abortion on herself, and now they're going to hold her for murder. How can you murder something that's not a person? I'll tell you how, because the Word of God said that that baby becomes a baby upon inception. And that's why our world's in a, like a termite and a yo-yo. They don't know which end's up and which end's down. They've been sold so many different goods. And when you're trying to be a lying and deceitful person right there, let me tell you, it all comes back. It just mounts up on you. We're to flee fornication. The body's a temple of the Holy Ghost, not our own. We're bought with a price. Get rid of anything that aids you in false gods. If it leads to you worshiping somebody besides a real God, get rid of it. If you can't sit in your home without watching filthy pornography, get rid of the Internet. You'll save $100 a month. You can put it on building for eternity. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Wherewith shall a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed thereof unto the authority of the word. For the word of God is quick, powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. Blessed is a man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. His delight is in the law of the Lord. All Scripture is given for inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, reproof, correction, for corrupt uh, instruction in righteousness. I've got an opinion, but my opinion don't count. It doesn't matter what my opinion is. Everybody wants to make things about the elephants and the donkeys. It doesn't matter. We don't have time to, to detail the donkeys and the elephants and all of those different things. We can't go through there. We need to stand on the Word of God. I don't care if you're a donkey or an elephant. If you're for abortion, you're standing against the Word of God. That's wrong. Get rid of it. What a shame for somebody to come to Woodland Hills Baptist Church. And they leave here knowing who to vote for and how to vote. But they leave here going to hell because they didn't nobody ever tell them how to be saved. Because we are too wrapped up in being politically. I'd have, I, I like a good fight. I ain't going to lie to you. I'd have loved to have been there when those 450 prophets of Baal were standing. And all of a sudden, it had to be a big noise. I thought about it last night. Becky and I was over coming out of a restaurant over here off of Judson and, and Tuttle there. And I'm telling you, I like throwed my teeth straight up in the air. I mean, I never heard such a loud noise. Anybody ever been over there and heard that? The kids kind of gather over there, tires squealing and loud noises. I'm talking loud. And I thought, I'd have loved to have been there on that, on that day when that fire fell down from heaven. I don't think it was a... I think it was a... Oh, wow, man! And up that altar went in fire. Amen? I'd have loved to have been there when, my, uh, me, uh, when uh, those three Hebrew children... Um, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego... I, I knew him by another name, and, and uh, 
So I'd have loved to have been there. When they throwed them in, the people who threw them in burned to death. And they just floated down to the fire. Come out not even smelling like smoke. I'd have loved to have been there to see old Daniel when they threw him in the lion's den. Hmm. The lion didn't even bite him. Wouldn't you love to have been there when David said, is there not a cause? What are y'all doing over here? This guy's mocking our God. And he goes out there with a slingshot and a rock. He ain't that good. It's God that put that rock right in that little opening of that armor. Now, people, you can be wrong if you want to be. I don't think that killed him. I think it just cold-cocked him. And then David runs over there, pulls his sword out. This is what killed him. He cut his head off. And he's holding up the head for the glory of God. Woo, I'd have loved to have been there. Listen to me, though. The same God with the Hebrew children and Daniel and David and Elijah is the same God today. If he's not, we all ought to quit and go home. He's not lost no power. He hasn't lost anything. He is still King of kings and Lord of lords. And he's alive and he wants to minister to us. Let me, let me finish. The Bible says in Ephesians 6, verses 10 through 20, the first part of it says, finally, my brethren, people in the church, that's the word they listen for, finally. <laughs> finally, my brethren. Amen. <laughs> hey, it don't mean a thing to a Baptist preacher, but it encourages you. Amen. He said, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of the world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. We're in a battle. It is a strong battle. It is a spiritual warfare battle. Now, I want to tell you something. A lot of people think spiritual warfare is nothing but casting out devils. I have a philosophy in my ministry. If I see somebody that's got a demon, I leave that to Jesus. I'm out of here. I don't seen that devil whoop too many people. I'm old and I'm brittle and I ain't got time for all that. I'm going to leave that to the Lord. You say, well, what is spiritual warfare then? Well, Spiritual warfare is here so we can stand strong against the schemes of the devil. There are two forces inside of you. There is the flesh. You've always had the flesh, and you're always going to have the flesh. Well, I've been saved, and I've been baptized, and I've been catheterized, and I've been homogenized. I don't care how spiritual you are. You still got the flesh. You still got the flesh. Now, inside of you, after you get saved and born again, you not only have the flesh, but you have the spirit also. And so, you got the spirit, and you got the flesh. And a lot of people think that this spiritual warfare is to try to determine who's the strongest. Is it the spirit that's the strongest 
or is it the flesh that's the strongest? Nothing could be farther from the truth. Let me just give you a little secret. It was already determined on Calvary who was the strongest. The flesh is defeated. It's already determined. You say, well, then what's the spiritual warfare for? It's not to determine who's the strongest and who's the weakest. It's to determine who you're going to yield to. God put on this spiritual armor so that I've got sense enough not to yield to the flesh so that I can yield to the Spirit. The Spirit's always stronger. Greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. Don't try to make this thing no battle between Jesus and the devil. Jesus already whipped him. It's over with. These are his last days. Those two forces. I've used this before, but I'm going to use it again. There was an older man, lived way up, I don't know, probably Arkansas. I don't know way out in the woods <laughs> and he had two dogs he had a black dog and a white dog and they would gather on Saturday night and they would place their bets on those two dogs and this old man literally provided for his whole family kids and everybody just off the money he made off of gambling well he's on his deathbed he's got one son on this side of his head and he's got another son on this side of his head. And so they're crying. They're saying, Daddy, you can't go. You can't die until you tell us. How did you always know which dog was going to win? I mean, our whole family has been living off of this for years. We got to know. Tell us, how do you know which dog is going to win? If he said the black dog was going to win, that black dog won. If he said the white dog was going to win, that white dog won. How do you know? And in the last breath that the old man breathed, he said, sons, the dog you want to win is the one you feed that week. And slipped off into eternity. Could I tell you this morning, you want to walk with God? Find that book and get in that book. Find people of God who love this book and hang around them. Now, I, I'll be honest, this church is always open. You can always, we're, we're, we're here probably 18 hours out of 24 every day. Don't pay $8 for a cup of coffee to sit around and talk with somebody. Come on over here and you can make it free and then give that $8 to building for eternity. Hang around the people of God. Be a part of the church of God. Get involved in serving God. When you feed that spiritual nature, God's going to feed you. If you don't care, go ahead and watch that television. Go ahead and go to those same places. Go ahead and do whatever you're doing. And I promise you, I don't care how many times you make a profession of faith. When you're feeding, we called it gabo in college. Garbage in, garbage out. When you put garbage in, garbage is going to come out.
I was studying, I preached this last uh, weekend on stand. And I had a sermon. I'm still standing. I'm still standing. And I, I get, you know, I'm not a great theologian. Boy, every time I start studying, God shows me things that mm, I just, it blows my mind. I was preaching in Acts 6 and 7 on Stephen. First of all, the, they told the church to find si uh, uh, men to be deacons who were spirit-filled men. I got to thinking, that means that those guys in here who are spirit-filled, you ought to be able to look at them and tell. How are they going to find spirit-filled men if they can't look at you and tell? And then, then the Bible says that Stephen is there, and of course Saul is there, he's holding the coats of those, and they're stoning Stephen to death. Now when the Lord leaves here, he moves from here up into heaven, and the Bible says he's sitting at the right hand of the Father, interceding for us. He's sitting there, signifies that his work of salvation is over. It's done. But when you get down to Acts chapter 7, and Stephen is being stoned. The rocks are beginning to pelt him. And he's on his last breath. The Bible says he looks up into heaven. Somebody better hold my mule. <laughs> he looks up into heaven. And there is the Lord standing up. He ain't sitting no more. It's like... The Lord said, hey, Father, <laughs> old Stephen down there, he's going to stand for me down there on earth. I'm going to stand up here with him. If you'll stand for God, he'll stand with you. Lord, today, folk in this place need a redeemer, a savior. And I pray today that your spirit would convict them that they are sinners they can't save themselves. There's only one way, and that's to come to Jesus. Others in this place may need a church home. Others in this place, God, we long for the days where folks want to get so right with you that they're willing to come to an altar and, 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 and bow before you or stand before you and confess their sin, Lord, to you. Have your way in this place today. God, it's not up to us. We want you to have your own way with every one of us. We claim the victory. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand with me?